Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to those who have supported me through this journey. Workplace culture is a powerful thing. It can be a significant factor in business success, and it can also create dysfunctional environment that drains talent. Companies that want victory over brain drain need to be proactive and shape an employee culture that reflects talent demographics as much as it does the customer. On today's topic, we're going to be talking about a healthy culture. And my guest today is Amy Lynn Durham. Now, Amy is the founder of Create Magic at Work, where she uses her knowledge as an executive coach and certified spiritual intelligence coach, SQ21, a faith-neutral system, to uniquely blend spiritual and business to assist clients in their personal, professional, and spiritual development. Amy is also the host of Create Magic at Work podcast, a top five globally ranked podcast, and the author of the book by the same name. She is an executive contributor to Brains Magazine, and has been a guest on over 70 podcasts, sharing her insights on how leaders in the workplace can become empowered and embrace their full potential. Amy also draws on her past experience as a successful corporate executive coach, and she shares win-win ways people can get results by connecting authentically and seeing the humanity in each other. She also has degree certification and credentials, a UBC Berkeley certified executive coach, certified spiritual intelligence coach, utilizing the SQ21, Walker facilitator, and former corporate executive and recovering workaholic. Welcome to the show, Amy. It is so lovely to have you on today. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really pleased and appreciative to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on here. What's new in your world? What's going on? What's new? What's exciting? Yeah, what's exciting? Well, I'll share a personal and a work. I'll blend the two. Sure. I'm working on a beautiful workshop right now for a large organization that helps with effective communication, helping with imposter syndrome, learning how to network and connect from an edgewalker point of view. And also we are exploring if work-life balance is a myth and why or why not. That's the fun work thing that I've been diving into lately. And personally, I know we're talking here on a Saturday morning. So (laughs) for me here in California, I'm coming off of, I I have a little, I have a Cavapoo dog. His name's Mr. Bingley and um, he's been training in agility. And so we had quite the uh, agility training last night going through all the jumps and everything. And so Mr. Bingley and I are both a little tired, but I'm on my second cup of coffee and ready to bring some energy to everyone for your show. (laughs) That's awesome. That must be pretty cool to see Mr. Bingley perform and go through all the obstacles and stuff like that. That must be pretty neat to see. Oh, it's so fun. It's so addicting. And really when when they make a mistake, it's always the human's fault. (laughs) Oh, of course. (laughs) Yeah, it's always I stepped the wrong way or and the, and the poor guy tries so hard. So it's more like training the human in those classes. <laughs> I bet, I bet for sure. And yeah, I do have a friend of mine that does do that as well with her dog and she just absolutely loves it. The 
dog loves it. It's a way for them to bond a little bit and have a little bit of fun. She also does it on a Saturday morning as well. So yeah, it sounds yeah. It sounds fun and exciting. And they do have competitions as well. So I'm sure it's the same for you. There's training and then there's like a end of the training competition where all the dogs that are being trained at that uh, school go and they compete and stuff. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, we're gearing up for competing one day, so that should be fun. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, it's awesome to hear, and I'm glad that you're having fun with that, enjoying spending some time with uh, your dog. I think it's very um, important, and they just have unconditional love as well. So before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. So are you ready for yours? Sure. Okay. So my question is, what would you prefer and why? A pie in the face, <laughs> chocolate sauce in your shoe, or ice cream down your back? I'm going to go pie in the face because then that way I might be able to taste a little bit of it. That's a good, that's a good thought. I didn't think of that when I was writing the questions, but yeah, that's a good thought. You get to taste it for sure. <laughs> Is there any particular type of pie that you would be okay with in your face? Oh, let's see. It would have to be like one of those cold ice cream type pies. So maybe oh, I'm blending yeah. the two answers because we're coming off like some triple digit weather where I live here in Central California. So right. anything to cool down, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And ice cream is a good way to, to cool off for sure. I don't think that there's anybody that would refuse uh, an ice cream for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having fun with me. I think that was uh a great answer. I just loved it. And I appreciate you having some fun. Why don't we start off our fun discussion with you telling us a little bit about you and your story? Sure. So I worked in the corporate world for many years, almost three decades. Mm -hmm. I worked for public and private companies. At my peak, I was operating 90 retail telecom locations. I had a little over 400 employees and was managing a, a publicly traded company, about a $38 million a year P&L. And I was really busy. We had to answer to the shareholders, to our goals, manage payroll, manage scheduling, manage budgets, all the things, HR, crisis management. There was a lot of armed robberies that would occur that we would have to step in and support. So I'm very well-versed in a lot of different aspects of workplace culture. And about a year before I left my job, I planned to leave it because I had a spiritual awakening in my personal life mm -hmm. that really shifted me. And so I was utilizing some of the faith neutral activities that I was doing at home with my teams. And it was really having a profound impact on culture on seeing the humanity in each other and on our productivity and our profitability. So I was really seeing the results of how this was a win in the workplace. And at that point, I decided I was going to pursue a life purpose of leaving that space and re-injecting myself back into the corporate world from this angle. I left. I started Create Magic at Work. I wrote the book. I put all the field-tested activities that I use with my teams in the book, it's an activity book that a leader can just grab and, and go to 
an activity that speaks to them or use it as a jumping off point for their own creativity to do team building activities with their teams in the workplace. So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of the beginning of the journey. It was not linear by any means. No entrepreneurial journey is, I think. Mm -hmm. Lots of ups and downs and windy roads to get where I am today, which is still growing and learning. But I attended the Executive Coaching Institute at UC Berkeley and got my executive coaching certification. And then a lot of individuals wanted me to speak on spiritual intelligence and I gladly will. It's my passion. It's one of the main tools that we use with the Create Magic at Work brand. Yeah, it's going beyond emotional intelligence. In my opinion, it's what every workplace needs Mm -hmm. is to go beyond EQ and access these quantum leader, spiritually intelligent, elevated skills, especially with AI out right now, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit about my journey. It sounds like it was a fulfilling journey from managing for three decades and operating that many people and doing that many things to, I spoke to somebody last week and they have a similar story to yours. And they just said, well, I like my job, but I could probably do this on my own and be working on my own and make a little bit more of the decisions, but still do these same things. So I'm, I'm wondering, was that something that you thought of as well? It was. For me, it felt like a calling that I had in my life, like a life purpose pursuit. I really felt if I stayed in the corporate space where I was, I would feel like I wasn't as alive or giving life my all like I could. And mm-hmm. so it was definitely a risk. It was a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. One day I was sitting in my office writing out a list of the the legacy I wanted to leave there and how I wanted my teams to feel before anyone knew I was leaving. And I left and I was at a little tchotchke store on my lunch break and there was a magnet that just screamed out at me. It said, leap and the net will appear. And oh. so I got the chills, I grabbed it and I put it on my refrigerator at home and I still have it up to that day, leap and the net will appear. Will appear. And it wasn't like I leapt And everything was puppy dogs and ice cream starting Create Magic at work. But there would definitely be regret if I didn't go after this vision and this passion that I have for advocating for healthy leaders in workplaces. Mm Yeah. Yeah, you trusted your gut and you went with what you were feeling and you just did it. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have felt that way, but just have not maybe had the courage to do so. So I commend you for doing that because it's not easy to just decide, okay, I'm going to do this and make a change and just do something different. I know that a lot of people go to school, they do their high school and then they go to college and this is what I want to be for the rest of my life. And then they go and do it. And then a lot of people are like, okay, well, I don't think I enjoy this. In the past, I feel like people were put down because they spent so much time on a certain thing and studying something when they should be encouraged to say, okay, well, you're not enjoying what you're doing. That's okay. But it just means that you're not passionate about what you're doing. So let's find something that you are passionate about. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's important to recognize that everyone goes through different seasons in their life. Right. And... Sometimes we make choices that benefit that season of our life. I have many clients that might want to take a leap into entrepreneurship, but it might not be the right time for them because Mm -hmm. they want the security of that 
paycheck coming through or they have children. And it really just depends on prioritizing life goals, what your values are for the season in your life. So if you are in that space and you feel like you've had a passion for something and you haven't maybe pursued it yet, I think it's important to have some self-compassion there because it just depends on where you are in your life and what your priorities are. And that's really important to get clear on. And that's what a coach like me is for, (laughs) to help you get clear on where am I at and not beat yourself up over some perceived place you should be Right. that might not match the season of your life that you're in. I love all that. So today we're talking about healthy workplace culture. So what does healthy workplace culture mean to you? Yeah. I love this question because, I mean, it's a very deep question that probably can't be answered very shortly. Mm -hmm. But to me, a healthy workplace culture is a place that the people in the culture feel safe to make mistakes. They feel that innovation can come from mistakes. They feel like they can take risks in showing up to who they actually are and not have to wear a mask and pretend they're someone they're not. And a healthy workplace culture has high level leaders that understand that they have to look in the mirror and take responsibility for the people that are impacted by the decisions that they make and that some inner work is involved with that. If you're Mm -hmm. in a position of power and you're making decisions for others and you want to do work for the greater good, there's definitely some inner exploration and some growth and some continued skill building that is needed with that. I love, love, love all of that. I talk about this a lot, having a safe place to go to work. I feel like it's important uh, that they feel safe, that they can go to their superiors and discuss something, not be chastised and have them either listen to help them out or listen with pause, meaning that they are listening just so that the person could speak, but not necessarily give a response or a solution to the issue. And I also believe that leaders are responsible for creating a safe environment so that employees can go home. We spend more time with our coworkers than we do with our families. So it's mm-hmm. so important to have a safe environment so that When they go home, it's a shorter amount of time, but they're able to spend time with them and not have that worry of what's going on or what could happen in the workplace on the next day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important that in the workplace, if you're a high level leader that has teams that you're in charge of, recognizing the impact of your decisions and how that ripples out to when people go home and how that impacts the home and how that ripples out into communities Mm -hmm. and how that ripples out into the world. It really has an impact. And so you're not just making an impact within your organization by being a wise and compassionate leader. You're really stepping into some quantum leadership Mm -hmm. there and you're creating a ripple effect into your communities and I mean, we can take it even farther and say humanity itself. And we all know that if an employee is treated well, and if they're trusted and respected by their superiors, then they are going to, when other people ask, oh, what do you do? Where do you work? They will talk 
passionately about where they are, where they work, and what the company does for them. And it's an engaging atmosphere that brings on new people as well when the company is looking to hire because people will be like, well, if there's anything that opens up, let me know because it sounds like a place that I would love to work at. Oh, absolutely. Leaders that operate with a high level of spiritual intelligence, making wise and compassionate decisions, the ability to be a wise and effective change agent, being able to put your ego aside and make decisions from your inner wisdom and compassion. Any high level leader that operates from that space the data supports it. They will have teams with 85% higher job satisfaction. They will have a 61% higher organizational commitment. And if you really skill build in operating from a wise and compassionate place in the workplace, you have to have both, both wisdom and compassion. Mm -hmm. It can lower burnout within your organization by 64%. That sounds all true there for sure. And yeah, it's very simple. Even the simple check-in, Amy, just going by and if you're going to your office and there's a couple people that are at their desks or right near there, how's it going? How are you guys doing today? Are you guys doing all right? Did you guys take a break today? Make sure that you take some time, even if it's 10, 15 minutes for yourself. And I want to make sure that you guys are good because then if you're good, the environment is going to be good as well. So I think employees will remember that and appreciate that as well. Oh, absolutely. And even taking it a step further, right? And in a meeting, discovering personal goals, the Mm -hmm. the personal why Mm -hmm. someone's there and everything that you just mentioned, the check-in, the low self-orientation. It's not about me. It's about you. How's your day going? I want this environment to be a real, a, a thriving space. Right. Because if you're a company that is interacting with, clients or each other, that's going to ripple out. That energy is going to ripple out to the client. And like we mentioned before, when you go home to your family, when you leave your office. Exactly. So why should companies look to make wise and compassionate decisions? So I I mentioned it a little bit before, but if you're a company that has leaders that operate from a both wise and compassionate space, Burnout decreases by 64% within that organization, which is huge, right? Because we have all of these podcasts talking about burnout. And a lot of times the thought leaders that are sharing their information or their wisdom on burnout is because they experienced it themselves. My goal is for us to eradicate burnout and not have thought leaders coming forward, talking about their experience with burnout and how to avoid it, but have leaders in the workplace learn that operating from a wise and compassionate space Mm -hmm. decreases burnout and we don't have any more survivor stories, if you will. Mm -hmm. So some ways that a leader can be wise and compassionate. One, start by releasing control a little bit. And there's that trust there. The more and more you can place a higher level of trust in your team, the more that they're going to rise to the occasion and it's going to cultivate some innovation and some creativity. The other thing with leaders is setting proper boundaries. So Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of high level leaders that have huge hearts that want to make a difference that are making a difference. However, there's a slippery slope there where they can step into burnout because from an SQ lens, 
they're stepping into empathy versus compassion. And for me, from an S standpoint and from an SQ definition, empathy is when you take on other people's feelings and stuff. Right. Right. And compassion is when you can understand the suffering of others and maybe make some high level changes for that. So if I have a, a leader with a really big heart that comes to me feeling exhausted, I right away want to see if they're being compassionate towards themselves. Where are your boundaries at work? Are you overdoing it with letting people vent to you all the time on the phone? Are you setting proper boundaries as to when you're available? What are some of your personal goals to feel vital and to feel healthy in life? And we start going down the self-compassion road. Very first step within all of that. You mentioned leaders understanding because some of them have gone through it. There are some that have never gone through any type of burnout and they don't understand. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important for leaders to learn a little bit about burnout or a healthy workplace culture. And I think understanding it a little bit better will not only help them, but it will help the environment and their teams as well. Because even though you've not gone through it, you're never going to fully understand. But if you have a little bit of an understanding, then you'll be able to sympathize a little bit and you'll be able to work accordingly to it. Oh, yeah. And that's where the compassionate leader comes in, right? The the wise and compassionate leader. I haven't experienced this, but I want to elevate my decision-making and consider the feelings of everyone affected by my decision. Right. And as I'm making a decision, I make a conscious effort to put my ego aside. Right. That place that comes from fear, judgment, scarcity, and protection. Mm-hmm. And I want to access my inner wisdom, my inner sage, my higher self, mm-hmm. the place within me that comes from wisdom, compassion, and love, and visualize the impact on everyone affected by my decision. So that's a practice Because we've never walked fully in each other's shoes. Even if I experience burnout, which I have, my experience of burnout is not going to be the same as your experience of your burnout. Mm -hmm. So we can never fully know. We can just have a high level of presence for others' experiences and compassion for that. So I know you delved into it a little bit, but I'd like to go into it a little bit further here. What are some ways that leaders can create a safe and healthy workplace culture. Yeah. So I always say I wrote a book, Create Magic at Work, and put all the activities in it for the beer drinking golf guys I used to work with. They had really big hearts Mm -hmm. and just needed a place to start to be a little more courageous in connecting activities and a little more vulnerable. And that's all I would ask is if you're listening, if you want to continue to cultivate a healthy workplace, or or if you haven't even maybe started thinking about it, just taking a little micro step. And the book is full of activities and recommendations for that. But one I like to mention that's an easy start is journaling. I have an activity in there that, and I know everyone's journaling, it's all over journal and meditate, (laughs) but I have an activity in my book that's called journaling with a twist. And you can hop on Zoom and pick a card from my journal prompt card deck that I authored for the workplace. And it has an affirmation and some coaching questions on there for your team. And you can just spend a quick 10 minutes at the beginning or the end of a meeting and pull a card 
read the inspiring quote and have everyone kind of rapid write their answers to the questions and then share. And the magic is in the sharing because that's when you're sitting in this and you hear someone else share and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that Jane was going through that. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, wow, I'm going to call her when we get done with this and see if I can Mm -hmm. offer some help. Mm -hmm. Just as an example. And then right away, boom, you have synergy, you have productivity, you have teamwork because everyone starts seeing, oh, this person is just like me. They're human. Just like me, they're going through something. Or just like me, they want to have joy in life. Just like me, they're trying to avoid suffering. Just like me. And I think it's amazing that you talk about that because having discussions with people There are people who just, well, I've never been through that or I don't understand that. Or they look and see that Susie has been out of uh, the office for a week and they're like, oh, well, uh, Susie doesn't want to work or she's, I don't know what's wrong with her or whatever, but it's, it means that extra work on us and it's not fair. And so I love when you talk about compassion because just thinking, okay, well, why is Susie off? And you don't need to go into anything personal, but just have the thought like, okay, well, one day, Monday, Susie's not in. Okay. Tuesday, Susie's not in. Wednesday, Susie's not in. Well, what's wrong with Susie? I hope everything is okay. Instead of thinking, oh, well, it's going to be extra work for her. A little bit of compassion. I hope she is okay. It's like me when I'm driving and I see fire trucks and cops and there's an accident. Well, my first thought is not, oh my God, we're going to have to wait through this traffic. My thought is, oh my God, I hope that these people are okay. I don't know what the injuries are. I just hope that they're okay. Yes, Andrew. (laughs) I think what you're speaking to is the release of judgment. Because if somebody's out of work on leave and we don't know why, and we have a workload that's been placed on us, that can create some resentment like you were Mm -hmm. speaking to, some other feelings that aren't from our higher self. And so the best leadership skill to practice in that situation is to stay curious. Right. Stay curious, ask meaningful questions approach situations without blame or judgment Mm -hmm. and reframe the story that is playing in your head. Right. Because you're telling yourself a story in your head, right? You're saying, oh, so-and-so doesn't care. They don't want to be here. They put this whole workload on top of me and I can't believe that that this is happening to me, right? right? If you just remember to stay curious you can ask yourself meaningful questions, right? You can say, well, I wonder how I would want to be treated if this occurred in my life, if I was going through something. I mean, it goes back to that basic principle. It's almost like a spiritual principle in almost every thread of religion, right? Treat Mm -hmm. others the way you would want to be treated, Mm -hmm. be kind and do no harm, stay curious Mm -hmm. and ask meaningful questions. Right. And just by approaching the situation from that, you'll relieve a burden from yourself and you can let go of some of that resentment, which doesn't do anything to anybody, but hurt yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And we've got to remember too, that if that person is off, they're going through some stuff too, but they're also thinking as well, I hope that the workload is not heavy. 
or even some cases people have said to me that have been off for burnout that have worried about what the coworkers might be thinking of them. So when it is time for them to go back, they're a little bit nervous to go back because they don't know what the reaction is going to be from those coworkers. Are they going to be resenting me? Or are they going to be mad at me? So me personally, I've had a couple of people who have been off away from work due to whatever it was, burnout or whatever. And all I said to them was quite simply, it's nice to have you back. I don't know what you went through and it's not my business to know. I just hope that you're okay and it's nice to have you back. And I think just simple words like that. I know for me, you just talked about what you would like. I know for me, if somebody said that to me, if I was off work and I came back, I would be like so happy to hear that. And I think the anxiety would be like gone. The comfort level will be back. And I would felt like that my coworker actually do care about me. Yeah, I think that's a really great approach that you shared that everyone can use. And I think taking it a step further, I've seen organizations start to embrace bringing in a coach, like an executive coach that facilitates experience. So they meet with who's taking over the workload of the person going on leave. So everyone's on the same page. And then, like you said, when the person's coming back, they're going to feel overwhelmed. So they probably have what, 3000 emails in their inbox or they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I missed the boat on so much. I'm overwhelmed. And so somebody like you from HR or a coach that can step in and facilitate that transition So everybody feels good and everyone's communicated with is really important. I recently did a poll on LinkedIn asking what people thought was the most important piece to having a healthy workplace. And overwhelmingly, the answer was effective communication, which actually surprised. I mean, it, it didn't surprise me and it did because of the other options were like flexible work schedule and different other options that I thought people would be more inclined to choose. But overwhelmingly, it was like, we want effective communication. And that's all a part of it. So in your example of facilitating somebody that's out on leave and operating from a wise and compassionate place where we release resentment, the person doesn't feel overwhelmed when they come back, all of those feelings right there, that would be a huge wise and compassionate move is really having a point person to step in like a coach or like HR or whoever that person is within the organization to facilitate that, make sure everyone's communicated with properly. I love when you say communication, I am a huge, and I've talked about this on many of my episodes of my podcast. uh, I am huge on communication. I think communication is huge. It builds rapport. And once you've built rapport, then you get that trust and respect factor. And then once you get that trust and respect factor, it's smooth sailing from that point. So I don't think in that sentiment, you can over communicate. And I am a little bit surprised like you and not surprised as far as that poll goes, because I think people just, they want to know. I've worked in organizations where the communication was at a high level and everything was communicated by email or through our 
managers in meetings. And there's been times where I've worked in places where there was a lot of closed door meetings and you didn't know what was going on. You just saw stuff happening, but you had no idea what was going on. I think that kind of makes people uneasy when they have no idea what's going on, right? It's family members just coming in out of your house and they're not talking to you. And you could tell something's wrong, but they're not talking to you. They're not communicating with you. Well, if they just communicate, it makes it less tense. Yeah. And yes, and at times there are situations within companies, organizations where they aren't able to communicate what is going on because maybe there's some sort of legal high level acquisition going on or there's different things. However, to your point, there is still ways to provide feedback where people don't feel like fear Mm -hmm. or that they're being isolated creating a loneliness and then stories start coming from that. What's going on? Why are all these secret meetings happening? I feel left out. And then the fear spiral starts happening. So there's still a way that you can communicate and offer Mm -hmm. feedback to your Mm -hmm. teams, even if you can't legally, or if there's something big going on, share every detail. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I totally yeah. get that for sure. Yeah, no, if it's think, something that's personal, I, I agree with you 100%. If it's something like legal or if there's a situation, for whatever reason, there's some stuff that is confidential and they can't discuss it. And I totally get that. But there's a way of communicating stuff without giving away what's going on. Just We're in a transition. I can't divulge a lot of the information. However, we're working on something. And once I'm able to, I'll give you as much information as I can. And at least people will be like, okay, you know, like, you know, they'll, yep. they'll, let me, they'll let us know, right? So, And that, that really ties into how well can you be present at a high level mm-hmm. within your organization and with your right. teams and with your people and just really listen, not to even understand, but just listen to hear the other person. It's going beyond listening to understand. It's listening to help the person feel seen and validated and not feeling like you have to step in and fix anything. Yeah. I call that listen with pause. Yeah. Or like the practice, the pause. Yeah. But listen to bear witness. All right. Yeah. Exactly. So do you think that companies are finding it important to have a healthy workplace culture? Are you finding that more companies are doing it or are they still making sure that the bottom line is, uh, is intact. Yeah. So that's a very detailed. (laughs) So, so companies will look at having a healthy workplace culture if they understand that it is effective Mm -hmm. from the data standpoint and if they want to do work for the greater good. So it's a yes and no. Right. And I think what really is going to be a game changer is if all everyone that is in the job market chooses to work for companies that are operating from a wise and compassionate place mm-hmm. that want to do work for the greater good. And then by default, these other toxic workplace systems will have attrition. People won't want to work for them. And then more and more will grow on the wise and compassionate side. Yeah, I love that. I agree with you. If they think it's important, they will do it. They will look at it. But I do believe that it's getting, I 
feeling that companies are understanding it and wanting it a little bit more because I do feel that I've talked to a lot of people and when they're going for job interviews, it's different now. I talk to a lot of uh, hiring managers and they're getting questioned from the candidates now. At the end, if you don't have any other questions uh, and used to be like, oh, well, what's the salary? What's the hours? And that stuff is important, but they're asking, yeah, I want to know what are your beliefs on employee well-being? Do you have an anti-bullying policy? What's your importance on leaderships having leaders being open and available? So by the answers that they're getting from these companies, they're leaving the interview, but they're thinking to themselves, okay, if I get an offer from this place, I would accept it. Or if I get an offer from this place, I just don't like uh, they don't have a mission, vision, values. I, I don't know if I would accept at any offers from them. Yeah, that's really encouraging. I mean, that's exactly what I was just describing is like when you're looking for a job, it's not just the company seeing if you're a fit, it's you seeing if the company is a fit for you and if right. their values and mission align with yours. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to be critical. I mean, that is assuming that the pay is com- competitive? Well, of course. Yes. Yeah, for sure. If you could choose one word to describe yourself, what word would that be? Oh, wow. I would say flexibly persistent. That's two. Persistent. But I want to say flexibly persistent because, yeah, but I'll say persistent. I like that. I like that for you. I think that fits you well. I would also say for you, I would say personable. Just from my conversations with you over the phone and through messaging, I found you very personable from day one, open to conversation, open to meeting new people, and just your genuine compassion for learning about people and having great discussions. So I, I would I like persistent, but I would add personable for you as well. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. Yeah, that persistent sounded very, I, I maybe there's some context around that, like persistent in advocating for healthy workplaces. How's oh, that? for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, to be quite honest, I knew exactly what you were thinking on that. So, and I love that. I love that your mindset and how important you think that it is to have healthy workplaces. It's important to you. And I think that's amazing. I wish that there were a lot more people like that. I think it's getting better. But I think we have a little bit ways to go in that respect. But I definitely think personable is for you for sure. Thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) Any final thoughts today? Yeah. I mean, I always have a lot of thoughts, but I'll add one. Just on your note, right, of workplaces that either are embracing this or not, my final thought would be whether you're in either one of those categories or in the middle, Just continue to take a step forward and try something that feels innovative, creative, and connecting within the workplace. Just take a small step. These concepts or problems or toxic workplaces, these issues, quote unquote, that we talk about, they feel so big Mm -hmm. that sometimes we feel like, what's the point? There's nothing we can do. Like it, it can feel overwhelming at times. And so I guess my call to action would be just take a small step. Everybody's a leader, no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. And if you need any help with some ideas to take a small step, that's where uh, the Create Magic at Work book comes in. 
and um, feel free to use it as a jumping off point for your own innovation and creativity. Mm. Yeah. I love, I just, I love all that. I love uh, everything that you just uh, said there. I think that it is important to be creative. I have worked in environments where the creativity was just not, I wouldn't say welcome. They welcomed it, but they had their philosophies and they were going to do what their philosophies were, but they were open to listening. And then there was some that just said, well, no, we've tried that before. It didn't work, what have you. So I love organizations that allow their employees to be creative and not be afraid to uh, come up with crazy ideas that may or may not work, but I think it allows them to be innovative as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to thank you as well for coming on today. I think this conversation was fantastic. As I mentioned at the beginning, I've had some amazing conversations with you, especially like day one, when I approached you of your interest to be a guest, you were so open to the idea and we had a great conversation that day. And I think it's just continued and it's grown and it's just been great dealing with you and working with you. And I've been so looking forward to taping this episode with you. So I'm happy that we're able to get it done uh, today. So thank you so much for your time and your patience and your compassion and empathy and authenticity. It's greatly appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for your well thought out and very thoughtful podcast that you're doing for the workplace. I'm very appreciative of it. Thank you. Well, well, I appreciate that. Your kind words mean a lot to me. So thank you very much. On behalf of myself and my guest, Amy, I would like to thank you all for taking the time to listen today. And until next time, be safe and remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe 